This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. The Informer Daily is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. At Joy 94.9, we'd like to pay our ongoing respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. This is the Informer Daily for Wednesday, the 29th of April, 2020. I'm your host, Arian Potts. Today, physical distancing measures have meant that casual sex isn't an option for most people. But with regulations opening up soon, that might be an option again. We speak to a doctor about how to cope in the meantime and when you should restart prep if you've taken a little bit of a holiday. If you're like me, you've been hitting the video games pretty hard. We've got some of the Checkpoint team with us to talk about how games are being developed in isolation. But first, this update. This is Dee Mason with the Joy 94.9 COVID-19 Bulletin for Wednesday the 29th of April. The United Kingdom has released revised figures increasing its death toll to 24,000. These new figures show up to a third of deaths are happening outside hospitals. Up until now, the official figures only included deaths inside hospitals. Health Secretary Matt Hancock says counting outside figures was not possible before, but the government wants to be as transparent as possible. Over one million people in the United States have tested positive for COVID-19, making up nearly a third of the worldwide cases. This milestone in case numbers comes as multiple states begin the process of reopening their economies despite low testing numbers. Unemployment in the United States is set to reach levels similar to those of the Great Depression, prompting residents to protest against lockdown restrictions. A COVID-19 vaccine being developed by scientists in Brisbane is seeing success in animal testing, proving it can develop an effective immune response when exposed to the virus. Although human trials are still a while away, Professor Trent Munro says they're expecting the vaccine should be fully developed around the start of next year. Australia Post is hiring hundreds of new employees and expanding its operations to meet the increasing demand for parcel deliveries. Since self-isolation began, parcel volumes have doubled as people have begun to shop exclusively online. Now 15 new processing facilities are opening, 600 casual staff have been recruited and eight additional freight flights are being chartered. The Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games will be cancelled if they cannot be held in July next year, says the Games chief Yoshiro Mori. Japan's Medical Association says it'll be difficult for the Games to go ahead if there is no vaccine or cure found before the scheduled start date. Strict limits on toilet paper purchases have been lifted by Coles and Woolworths one month after panic buying left shelves bare. Shoppers can now purchase four packets at Woolworths and up to ten at Coles. For the first time in the history of the Academy Awards, films will be eligible for nomination even if they've not been screened in theatres. The temporary rule change comes as theatres across the globe have been forced to shut by COVID-19. The Academy says the rule change is temporary and will only apply for the 2021 awards. 
Some popular Sydney beaches reopened yesterday after being closed for five weeks in response to people flouting social distancing rules. Bondi, Bronte and Tamarama beaches are set to open from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with the possibility of also being open on the weekend if people obey the rules. Students are returning to public schools in Western Australia today, with Year 11 and 12 students being strongly encouraged to attend in person. Parents can decide whether they send their children to school. The state government is estimating around 60% of students will return. This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For some in the LGBTIQA plus community, especially gay men, casual sex can be a really important activity. Our physical distancing measures mean that isn't really possible. The struggle is real, some of my friends tell me. I spoke with Dr. Vincent Carnelis from the COVID-19 Response Committee at the Australasian Society for HIV, Viral Hepatitis, and Sexual Health Medicine, and also the New South Wales Health Kirkton Road Centre. Physical distancing regulations are starting to sort of open up in New South Wales and then presumably the other states. Um, what does that mean for people who want to have sexual contact? Yeah, you're right. Uh, we are f- very fortunate in Australia that uh, relatively our um, coronavirus numbers have been lower than uh, other parts of the world. And as a result, we're starting to see easing of social distancing restrictions. What this currently means is, uh, well, it's particularly in New South Wales, but hopefully soon in other parts of Australia as well, that, that the restrictions are easing. Currently, it does still mean that it's considered not safe for people to have casual sex, even though the restrictions are easing. And in New South Wales, they're now talking about um, letting two people visit uh, someone's house, as in two non-residents visit a house. It is still strongly recommended that people then, when they're in that house, that they still observe social distancing. So they should still be at least one and a half metres apart, no physical contact. Um, So obviously, for most types of sex, that would preclude having casual sex. Um, It's certainly not impossible to have some form of um, sexual interaction that doesn't involve direct physical touch, but um, for most people that would uh, preclude having casual sex. I would like to say, you know, obviously this has been a very difficult time for everyone, um, and I would like to particularly give a shout out to the LGBTI community for Um, observing social distancing and for not having casual sex since the restrictions were introduced. Um, And I think that's obviously borne out uh, in having well-controlled numbers of uh, coronavirus cases here in Australia. And I think this has been especially, you know, this thank you should especially go out to people who normally have casual sex. I mean, obviously, this has really turned people's lives upside down, everyone's lives. But if um, a a normal part of your life is having casual sex, then having to give that up is a is a big sacrifice. Um, so, a big thank you to everyone, but also you know just to acknowledge that you know physical touch is an important um, component of general well-being and it's important for people's mental health. So, on top of the general stress that people are feeling in social isolation, I think it's important to acknowledge that people who get their physical contact through casual sex are particularly affected. Mm-hmm. And. What are you hearing from some of your patients? Like, what's working for them, or how? You know, what are they struggling with, and what's working? Well, I think so. In terms of just to carry on, what people are struggling with is really that um, social isolation and lack of physical touch, um, and it's making people feel quite stressed and anxious um, or depressed. I mean, people respond to these things differently. 
Um, it is important to um, know that there is support available. Um, you know, obviously, a lot of services have had to implement uh, restrictions as well around seeing people face to face. But in response to coronavirus, um, a lot of GPs have implemented telehealth services and organizations like ACON and Torn Harbour Health um, have uh, also implemented telehealth services for their counseling services. And many psychologists are now doing their consultations via things like, well, I won't name any brands, but using the different um, teleconference platforms. So if you are experiencing uh, emotional difficulty, if you're, you know, just finding it difficult to adapt to these um, social isolation restrictions, then please, you know, don't, don't hesitate to reach out and ask for some help because there is help available. I think, you know, people have, there has, there has been some creativity around you know, how do you still maintain some form of sex life in a uh, time of social distancing and so, social isolation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I have it on good authority that um, people have also used these uh, telehealth platforms uh, for that purpose. Um, obviously, you know, if you can make that work for you, um, then that's great. You know, I'm not an IT expert, but I imagine <laughs> you may want to speak to, may want to speak to an IT person about the security of um, using platforms for that purpose. But mm-hmm. that might be worth exploring for some people. What would you say to people who've gone out and had casual sex in contrary to the regulations? What, what sort of advice would you give them? Yeah, I mean, if you again, you know, this is these are difficult times, and. Um, well, I'm sure everyone's trying to do their best and everyone's trying to observe social distancing um, or at least, I don't know, perhaps we should call it physical distancing um, because just because you're physically not near people doesn't mean you need to be socially isolated. Um, but yeah, people have tried their best to observe physical distancing, but I fully acknowledge that that can be very difficult for people. If, you know, if you're living by yourself and um, you're now physically distanced from family and friends and you're also having to physically distance from sexual partners, um, that can be very difficult. So I, I totally get that for some people this has not been possible to do, that some people will have gone out and had casual sex. Um, for those people, I would just say, um, you know, give it another go, as in not the sex, but you know, try to physically distance uh, from now on because we kind of, it kind of feels like I've got no crystal ball, but it feels like we're kind of in the home stretch now um, in terms of coronavirus. So if we can all just, you know, tighten our belt for a little bit longer, um, then hopefully in the not too distant future, we can uh, come out and have life return to what will hopefully be some version of normal again. Um, I would say that if people have uh, found that they have gone out to have casual sex, um, just keep in mind that because a lot of people have stopped taking PrEP because they haven't been having sex. Um, and obviously, if you are returning to casual sex or if you were normally on PrEP and um, were having sex, then please remember to resume your PrEP use before you have sex. As I said, you know, I'm not saying that people should go out and have casual sex. Ideally, people don't at this point. Um, but just, you know, try and um, at least go back onto your prep if you do. Yeah, it depends sort of on which method you're using. And there's different recommendations for different uh, parts of the population. Um, if you're a cisgendered man who has sex with men, uh, then the recommendation is that you can use the event-based dosing regimen or the 211 method, where you have a double dose of PrEP at least two hours or up to 24 hours 
before having sex. And then you have a single tablet 24 hours later, another single tablet 48 hours after the first dose. Um, but that recommendation is only for cisgendered men of sex with men. Really, it can be um, for anyone who has receptive anal sex, um, so anyone who bottoms. Um, but it's not recommended as a, in the guidelines, it's not recommended as a um, method of taking PrEP for people, who, for anyone who falls outside of that um, population group. Um, for anyone else, it's recommended that people start seven days before um, having sexual contact to ensure that they have adequate PrEP protection. All right. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add that you think that people should know? Like, are you getting some common questions that from... Yeah, well, the, most of the questions we're feeling at the moment is around coronavirus itself. Mm. Um, and in many parts of Australia, the testing recommendations have started to broaden. And this is really to try and see if we can find kind of those last remaining cases of coronavirus that we haven't picked up yet because our numbers are so low compared to the rest of the world. Mm. Um, so I'll just say that if you do have symptoms that you think might be coronavirus, so if you've got, you know, even like a runny nose or a sore throat or a cough or feeling a bit short of breath or if you've had fevers or sweats at night, if there's anything you're worried about, at least um, call someone to talk about it. Call a health professional um, or one of the one of the advice lines. Yeah. Um, or otherwise, just rock up to um, a coronavirus testing centre to get tested. Because um, it is really important that we try and find um, any cases of coronavirus in the community so that we can try and really put this issue to bed, no pun intended, but um, <laughs> so that we, can, <laughs> we can get life back to normal. Well, Dr. Vincent, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks. And uh, everyone, keep up the good work. Dr. Vincent Cornelis from the New South Wales... Dr. Vincent Cornelis from New South Wales Health's Kirkton Road Centre and the Australasian Society for HIV, Viral Hepatitis, and Sexual Health Medicine. If you need support or someone to talk to, there are a lot of resources available on Joy's website um, for different organizations. That's joy.org.au slash support. Please do reach out if you're struggling. It's very important. This is the Informer Daily on Joy 94.9 and across Australia on the Community Radio Network. It's been a huge time for video games, but what about games that are in development? Often they involve a lot of collaboration and quite a bit of face-to-face. -face. We've got the Checkpoint team here and they've got some answers. Yes, you're here with Elliot from Checkpoint on Joy 94.9 and I'm currently talking to Alex Woodward, who is a freelance writer and the lead writer on Best Friend Forever at Starkhold. Thank you so much for joining me. We're planning to kind of tackle mandatory quarantine, self-isolation, working from home and all of these environmental factors that have hit us because of the coronavirus. And I'm so glad you're able to join us to kind of give us the perspective on the development side of things. Now, you did recently just give a talk as part of the arcade on Twitch. Yeah, so it was just a, um, a talk just covering um, some healthy uh, working from home practices for, for game developers that I gave in um, 2019 and I sort of updated it for the, the current situation. <laughs> and you refer to yourself as, I believe, a, a stay-at-home connoisseur or a working-from-home connoisseur. How did you get that yeah. title exactly? <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I am now working as a, a freelance writer, but before then I was an, an agent, uh, agency writer uh, working in a marketing agency. And 
I was rather well known around the agency for taking as many work from home days as I could possibly get away with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm well, well practiced in working from home, and it's sort of something that I'm a strong advocate for. Well, I'm so glad we have an expert in the field joining us, <laughs> because obviously this is this is a conversation that's coming up a lot more recently. Not even just in game development, in every single facet of life. If if it's possible to work from home, you probably should be right now. So. Absolutely. It's awesome we've got you here, and I will be diving more into that um, kind of aspect of things shortly, but I also wanted to give people a bit of an introduction to you and to Best Friend Forever, which is the video game you're currently furiously working on, I'm sure, as you're approaching release date. Did you want to tell our audience, if they're unaware, what is Best Friend Forever? Yeah, um, Best Friend Forever is a hybrid dating sim and dog care simulator, so you play as uh, as the main character arriving in Rainbow Bay, a fictional city, um, and you adopt a dog and you meet other people who own dogs and you woo them uh, and you go through the, the process of... Woo oh, the yeah, people. You, you woo the people, not Train the, the dogs. dogs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you go through the process of, um, of training your dog and along the way, maybe you'll just find true love. What is your role exactly on Best Friend Forever? We've called you the lead writer going into this. So what do you do exactly? Yeah. So as the lead writer, I came in after the initial um, conceptualization was done uh, and basically took the notes, fleshed them out, um, developed like fully formed characters. And I'm responsible for uh, most of the words that you'll see on screen. Right. So all of the... All of the romance options, all of the awesome characters, this is all stuff that is because of you. Uh, Yeah, more or less. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the town within Best Friend Forever is called Rainbow Bay. Uh, Should Hmm. we be expecting some queer romance options and, you know, some inclusive characters? Yeah, absolutely. So, there are six romance options, um, and all of them are totally um, available, regardless of how you choose to identify in the game. And among them, we have uh, a trans man. There's a blind or, I guess, hard on sight. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> um, character. And we've tried to represent a range of body types and races as well. Which is fantastic. Very forward thinking. We definitely appreciate that here at Checkpoint 2. Um, so kudos to you. So I want to know if you were to arrive in Rainbow Bay, if Alex Woodward rocked up into this fictional town, um, who of these characters would you choose to pursue romantically? Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, I've got a big soft spot for one of the characters, Felix. He's the lead librarian at the Rainbow Bay Library, but he's also a real gym buff. Um, Uh But he's very socially awkward. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Does it feel like you're romancing yourself since you wrote all these characters? It's it's really um, strange going back and reading some of the things that I've written and just thinking, oh... (laughs) (laughs) Am I am I allowed to feel this way? <laughs> How saucy does it get exactly? Or is it um, pretty tame? Uh, th- there's a lot of fade to black kind of moments. Sure. Yeah. Let the mind fill in the blanks. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, that's the, the dating side of things, and I'm, I'm definitely interested to check that out. But there's the doggy side of things, too. And I believe you have a dog of your own. Has Archie made it into best friend forever? He has not. I actually only Aww. got Archie um, in December, by which point it was far too late to be no. adding new dogs to the game. Oh, that's such a <laughs> shame. There is uh, one of the player dogs, they will have default names, um, and there's a, a little Maltese dog that you can get, and his default name is Titan, um, which is something that I 
was really happy about because uh, he's named after uh, the family dog of my my long term partner. Oh, there you go. Yeah, who who's uh, passed away last year. Um, oh, Titan. So no. Yeah, it was a really nice little homage to be able to um, put his name in there. His spirit will live on forever. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you say it's too late to add dogs now, but I think you're adding raccoons. Is that actually happening? Is this an extended April Fool's joke? We'll see. <laughs> we, if, if we can reach 50k wish lists on Steam, we will add raccoons to the game. That's a lot of wish lists. It's a lot of wish lists. <laughs> but worth it. Everybody should be doing this. Like raccoons. Hello. Absolutely. If we move this back into the conversation of working from home, because that's really what we want to dissect here anyway, in your belief, from your perspective, would you say that Best Friend Forever's development has been impacted at all by these new working conditions and this pandemic that's kind of hitting the world? Um, not hugely, I would say, um, because we're it's sort of happening as we're nearing the end and as a studio, StarCult's had a really quick response. Um, we That's good. went fully working from home uh, before the lockdown here in New Zealand kicked in, yep. um, sort of a week before. Um, and I think that gave us a bit of a head start on adjusting to working from home and getting that process down. How do you think game developers are currently adapting to this whole working from home situation? Like, how big of an impact is this realistically from your perspective having on some of these studios? Um, it's one of those weird things because the games industry is already such a digital industry for the most part um, that in some ways we're really well advantaged. A lot of teams already have infrastructure in place so that the shift isn't too big. But then at the same time, there's usually a bit of a, I guess, a culture shock and some time that needs to be taken to adapt to a new way of working um, when people are so used to physically being around each other and they have to find ways to connect digitally instead. So there's a lot of challenges there with self-motivating and self-discipline. Probably a lot then, of distractions too. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And then again, for the employees, there's a lot of problem with loneliness and general mental health um, mm. I mean, we're, we're in self-isolation, which so it's literally isolating. Um, so it's it's now more than ever self-care and finding ways to stay connected are more important. Yeah, absolutely. But there must be some benefits too, right? Like, surely there are some good aspects of working from home that you can't achieve while working, you know, at a studio. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and some of that will come down to the individual. Some people are really, really good at um, self-motivating and thinking in the long term with the situation I think a lot of teams are going to start picking up more infrastructure and processes for flexible working and that can lead to a lot a lot better quality of life for game developers um, to be able to um, take a day where they have to work from home because maybe they've got an appointment in the evening or they have to look after their dog or <laughs> yeah. you know, various things like that I mean, obviously, we've heard a, a lot about certain studios working their employees super, super hard, and it often creates this kind of fatigue and, and a lot of times some really detrimental health issues as well. So, working from home could be a really good solution for some of that grind that happens towards the end of a game's life cycle or development cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Crunch and working from home have a, have a very interesting relationship because... 
in some ways, um, flexible working can be uh, a sort of remedy there. Um, and in other ways, it can actually lead to more overworking and crunch. Right. Um, it's like working because, at the studio, then going home and continuing to work. Yeah, which people will be doing even if they aren't uh, flexible or remote, um, just by nature of crunch. But it's even easier to do when you are just working from home the whole time and you sit down in the morning and you start working and then you look up at the end of the day and it's 10 p.m. Mm. That's where that unplugging really comes in. It's really, really important for mental health um, and avoiding a crunch. Do you think that some studios will, you know, after this pandemic blows over, hopefully it will, um, but after this is all over and, and people are capable of going back to work, do you think there are some lessons being learnt during these periods by both, you know, employer and employees? And could we see a shift in the way video games are, are developed in the future with more working from home kind of being a normal? That would definitely be nice to see. I think even despite being a digital industry largely, um, a lot of studios are quite averse to remote work for, I mean, I'm sure they have their reasons, um, but I think being forced to adopt remote work could act as a bit of a wake-up call to some studios. I'm not expecting, you know, widespread, flexible working. The entire industry is saved, that kind of thing. But um, <laughs> Huzzah! Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if people start to come around to the idea of it a bit more, um, because they've had the first-hand experience to know that actually they can work with it. Um, and that, I think, could be really, really valuable for the industry as a whole, because then you're opening up if, if from a hiring perspective, if we're hiring um, remotely, the employer can access a, a wider talent pool and access more um, valuable talent in different locations. And then, Which would be uh, great for both Australia and New Zealand, I imagine, with so much absolutely. talent here, yet such isolated from, you know, these big regions yeah. of game development. Exactly. And then you've got the, for the job seeker, they have a way more access to better opportunities. Very true. All right. Um, so, on the topic of working from home, is there anything else you wanted to talk about that we haven't covered yet, maybe from uh, a development side? Um, I think for the large part, I would just say that kindness is more important than anything right now um, yeah. for developers and for gamers. Just being able to respect that sometimes things don't go to plan because everything's a bit of a mess right now in every every aspect of the world. Absolutely. Uh, and that's why we get delays. No one, no one ever wants to delay their game. No, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine yeah. what kind of psychopath is sitting there saying, "Oh, I can't wait to disappoint all my fans." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I think just kindness. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Well, thank you, Alex. We're Thanks to the Checkpoint team for that report. If you want to hear some more amazing content from the super talented and award-winning Checkpoint team, they're on Joy 94.9 on Saturday Arvos at 2 o'clock, and they're also on the Community Radio Network. Check your local station for timings, and if your station doesn't carry Checkpoint, give them a call. Ask for it to be added. That's all for us today. Thanks to Joy94.9's awesome team and the great people at the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Arian Potts. We'll be back tomorrow. 
Mahalo. The Informer is funded in part by the Community Broadcasting Foundation, cbf.com.au. And of course, the members and donors of Joy 94.9. You can help us by visiting joy.org.au and become a member or donate. Any amount helps us bring you community-powered radio. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.